This is Fundraising Radio, and today our guest speaker is Brian McMahon, the CEO of Expert Dojo. And today we're going to focus on accelerators, how they work, who should apply to them, etc. So, Brian, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Expert Dojo. Uh, sure. Nice to be on the show. Uh, I am an entrepreneur uh, for many years and an investor uh, for many years as well. I own the Expert Dojo Accelerator. We invest in around 30 companies a year, uh, which will continue through the current crisis. Uh, we invest in very, very early stage startups. So normally we start at companies that have just either started bringing in revenue or maybe they've just had the product finished being built. And then we support them all the way through with an initial $100,000 check all the way through to hopefully an exit or a good success conclusion for them. Um, and my background is I've lived in about 40, 45 countries. I've had a number of different businesses in those countries, everything from tech businesses to property development businesses. I love the early startup space. I moved down here to, uh, to California and Santa Monica and decided that you know we're better a place to set up a startup accelerator and start to educate, support, and invest in early stage startups. That's great. And actually, you said that you're writing a hundred thousand dollar check, which I think is pretty rare for accelerators. I think most of them write checks around fifty k. Uh, but let's talk about what other benefits does Expert Dojo provide, except for just this large check. So all startups require. First of all, it depends on, on what, where, the, where the mindset of the startup is. If, if the mindset of a startup is that they want to raid, they want to build a large venture backable, scalable company, then all venture funds are looking to see if an institutional investor has put money into the company. Right, that's the first thing, mm -hmm. and it's important. So we count as an institutional investor. And now, leaving that aside, I also believe it's a very lonely journey for entrepreneurs who are starting out. It's extremely difficult when you launch. Like, how, how do you know all of the investors and what they want and what they need and what you should pitch to them when you don't? And um, how do you know all of the different marketing channels and how you should expand the quickest and the best with the fewest mistakes? You don't. Same with influence, same with brand, same with structure, same with everything else. It's just a very, very difficult path you're going through. So do you want to do that on your own? And, you know, bring in a few angels and a few advisors and maybe a couple of other investors who will be with you for small pieces of the journey. Or do you want to do it with folks who live and breathe this every single day and are going to support you all the way through? Now, look, there's lots of great accelerators around. I believe that we are one of the only, I won't say the only, because that probably sounds a tiny bit arrogant, mm -hmm. but I think one of the only accelerators that really, really focus on the building of your business, as opposed to just helping you f you find follow-on investment. So any entrepreneur, any startup who's going on that journey, they need that support. Otherwise, it's very lonely and it will be fraught with mistakes. Absolutely, yes, yeah, startup journey is pretty lonely. You're definitely right on this. And speaking of loneliness, uh, actually, no, not speaking of loneliness, it's a com completely unrelated question, but I'm based in Los Angeles as well, and I've been in a startup field for a while, and I've heard about Expert Dojo a lot, like a lot from completely different founders. So here I want to talk a little bit about your online presence and importance of online presence for a startup during fundraising. Can you go a little bit in depth into this? 
So brand is important for any company. I don't care who you are. If you're an investor, if you're a, you know, you've got a product business, CPG business, you've got a tech company, whoever you are, you have to establish domain expertise. People who are in your space need to know who you are, why you exist, and why you are of benefit to them. And that means not just about being loud. You have to be loud and you have to have something to say. So when Expert Dojo first started out, what we had to say was, hey, you know, startup seems extremely unfair. It seems that a lot of the folks that are breaking through and building unicorns are not necessarily better founders. They just have got, you know, wealthier mummies and daddies. And, you know, that one comment resonated. Um, I don't believe that startup is, is, is only unfair to women founders or only unfair to folks of color or only unfair to minorities. I believe it's unfair to 99% of America because the 1% have got access to the money and generally that money follows that 1%. So I, I, I felt that. It, I didn't make it up. I, I felt it was a problem. I felt that it was affecting entrepreneurship. I felt that we were losing our place as the number one nation on the planet for entrepreneurship because this was making us soft as well as being unfair to the American population. And people resonated with that. And then so I looked into it deeper and then I tried to find ways that I could add value and help, you know, even up that playing field. So some people will will like Brian McMahon. Some people will not like Brian McMahon. And it's kind of irrelevant as long as I stay close to my truth and as long as Expert Dojo stay close to that truth as well. So uh, we are we are loud, I will say. We are everywhere, I will say as well, and we have yet to be proven. And in 20 years' time, people will look back and say, were Expert Dojo an exceptional accelerator? Or did they just bring to light some important conversations that needed to be spoken? So that's to be seen. But for right now, we're certainly growing very quickly and we're mm -hmm. very happy with our position in the market. That's that's a good response. So uh, you're a true expert in fundraising. You have enormous experience. You're running a very successful accelerator in Los Angeles. So can you, do you have like a set of strategies that you recommend startup founders to implement while fundraising? So I was, I was at a, a panel talk about three months ago in Orange County. And one of the angel groups said, if you want to get investment from us, what you have to do is find someone who knows someone and get someone to recommend you and mm -hmm. make sure that you're on our radar so that people hear about you and make sure that you have a good pitch deck and that we understand what your value is within 30 seconds. And, and then the panel moved down towards me. And I said, there's two types of entrepreneurs in the audience today. There's the types of entrepreneurs who really care about that advice, right? And they will make sure that they look wonderful, that they have their favorite investor suit on for the day, that their pitch deck is perfect, they might even pay money to get it done, that their pitch is the most succinct, awesome 30 seconds on the planet, that they reach out to people with respect and fairness and everything. And that's one of those entrepreneurs. We actually don't want those people. I, I never <laughs> want one of those in the dojo because the second type of entrepreneur hasn't got time to piss around looking pretty for investors. They're focused on building their business and doing it in a proper, considerate way so that their business wins. And here's what happens. 
the vast majority of investors have what's called limited partners. At least the vast majority of venture investors have got limited partners, which means that venture investors have got to make a profit on startups or they will lose their limited partners. Even angel investors need to show a profit. What does that mean that they need? They need exceptional startups that are going to win. So don't be a pussy and follow all of those ridiculous advices on how you can look wonderful in front of an investor. Build an awesome business. Build your domain expertise so people can see you're building an awesome business. And then all of the investors, including me, will knock on your door and court you to be part of our cohort. Simple as that. So now let's actually talk about that. How does Expert Dojo source its deals? Or do you find those exceptional entrepreneurs that you're talking about? Most people find us because I take the same attitude that I tell entrepreneurs to take with us. You know, you need to find the right fit. We don't go looking for people because why would we do that? Right. We, we, we tell people what we do. We're clear about what we do. We walk our talk by making sure that as cohorts come in, that our cohort walks away feeling like they've had people who really care for them and they want their success to be something that's going to happen as opposed to just being another number. And then they talk to other people. And when they do, those other people then come to us and, and it goes from there. So it, it's again, it's important to make sure that this goes, that we're not, none of us are distracted by anything other than providing a phenomenal service to our customers. In our case, even though we invest, our customers are the exceptional early stage startups that are going to build phenomenal companies. And we want to make sure that our word is loud and far and clear. So those people hear that Expert Dojo exists and what we do, and they think to themselves, I can get where I need to go to quicker by being with Expert Dojo. So what's the best way for founders to reach you? I know that you just said that you're not actually sourcing deals yourself, but how should founders reach out to you? Is it just through your website or should they actually get out of their way and reach out to you personally or parts of your team? Or is there any truth to this? So I genuinely want to make sure founders can be successful. And we have numerous resources in Expert Dojo to try and help that happen. We have a small team of five or six people but we try and make sure that we, we can go beyond that on the website. So we have free resources that give people access to video and training and ways for them to grow their business. We've got podcasts so they understand how to have the conversations with the investors when those conversations do happen. And we have lots of resources online, including mentors and lots of other things, which we're always happy to share. Now, anyone can always reach out to me directly. I'm always very happy to talk to people. It's brian at expertdojo.com, B-R-I-A-N. And if anybody wants to apply for the accelerator, then they can go to the Expert Dojo website, which is www.expertdojo.com. And then there's just lots uh, online from you know, conversations and podcasts and interviews and everything we've done before, which folks can learn. Absolutely. And by the way, thanks for putting that all out for founders to use. I really love when uh, investors and accelerators do that because why not share in knowledge? And uh, here I wanted to talk to you about international investing. So when I just started my journey, I'm actually Russian myself. 
I've heard many people telling me you should try Expert Dojo because they like international founders. Can you talk about that a little bit? We do. I think what's happened in America is that a lot of the founders that you know we would have considered to have very strong grit and ability previously, um, I think the money has has really killed that a lot, and that means the the easy accessibility to large amounts of money. And then we found you know founders in uh, we haven't invested in anyone in Russia yet, um, but we have invested in Korea, Taiwan, Argentina, Canada, Israel. England, even Ireland, God forbid. Oh. What we do, what we do say to all these companies, though, is we want them to establish a headquarters in America. Mm-hmm. We want to be part of bringing what's great in the world into America, establishing U.S. companies that will grow in the United States, that will provide employment to folks in the United States, and that American citizens will be proud to call their own in the future. So we see it as a big win-win. We see that we're helping entrepreneurship here by bringing in skills that Americans may be lacking right now. We believe that it's great for immigrant founders because we're giving them a place to call home. And we love the fact that We can have all these different religions, all of these different cultures, all of these different ethnicities here in the dojo, and everybody lives, works, and thrives harmlessly. So, yeah, absolutely. Anybody can contact contact us from anywhere in the world. That's great. That sounds really patriotic as well. So here I want to move on to probably my last two questions. And first of those last is this. Uh, on your website, I looked at what Expert Dojo does. And one of the things that you're doing, curate investor dinners. What is that? So, you know, as a startup founder, whether you go to investors and beg them for money, i.e. that first group, or whether you are the mm-hmm. second group where investors come to you, if you are in a high-tech scale of a business, you are going to require investors at some stage. And the more people, I kind of see this a little bit as a, you know, man are, men are from Venus and women are from Mars, I think that book is called. So investors are seen by startups to be from a different planet. And... <laughs> Sometimes for startups, investors are exactly the same. So there's this really weird, awkward relationship between the two groups of people. So we want to help bring those groups of people together. We want investors to really trust the deal flow that's coming in their direction from Expert Dojo. We want to make sure that they feel like Expert Dojo is their home. We want to make sure that startups also feel that Expert Dojo is their home. And then that way we, we gather both groups of people in one place and start building this relationship that focuses on, for me, the most important factor, which is LA becoming a really successful tech and startup hub in the world by making sure that all of the different groups come together. And by the way, we feel the same about developers and we feel the same about creatives. We want to bring everyone into one place so that we have this this unstoppable force blasting out of the dojo that's great and pretty inspiring to be to be quite honest and here on this inspiring note i want to move on to my last question and then we'll wrap it up so my standard question to all my speakers is this what would be your advice to an early stage founder who is just thinking of what to do next to get to fundraising so three steps to take to get the first check So I know the podcast is about fundraising, right? So I Absolutely. have to keep it 
However, yeah. um, my whole my whole ethos and mentality is about not focusing on fundraising at the beginning. It's on focusing on building a great product, which people, i.e., your consumers, love, right? Because once people see that, then the fundraising becomes easier. What I see a lot of the time is that startups will spend as much as seventy percent of their time focused on finding fundraising. And the problem with spending 70% of your time focused on that is that 30% of the time is not enough time to grow a great business. So again, when our startups come in here, we get them to milestone out what the first 18 months will look like month by month, because we know this is the most dangerous period. And then we will say to them during this 18 month period, if you do amazing, you do it in 12 months. If you struggle, then it will take longer than 18 months. But you're going to focus on four areas. You're going to focus on building your domain expertise, i.e. your influence level, focusing on building your brand so you have a great product fit and user experience, focus on building your communication with both your users, investors, buyers, clients, everybody, and then also focus on making sure that your out is in place, right? You're almost like a Viking on a boat going to other lands to invade. That is what I want you to do as a startup. However, no great Viking would just jump on a boat and hope to arrive in the right place at the right time and just assume that it might make there. The Vikings need to milestone what their objectives are. Are you gonna to go to a village of a thousand people or 10,000 people? Are you gonna just steal the goats and the cows, or are you going to go for the gold and the church as well? <laughs> as a Viking, you need to milestone what you're going to do. So every startup who is starting their business must, must, must build a milestone plan, which is 12 to 18 months out. But most importantly, in the first month, it is daily. And those daily milestones have to be the customers are the users, depending on what your product is. It has to be, and when I say customers, I mean how many people are buying your widget. Then from the customers, you've got to work out how many prospects you need to have. And then you need to know how many users you need to have or how many people you need to outreach to to get to those prospects. And then you need to know how many channels will actually be driving that outreach to those amounts of potential users. And only then, do you actually have the control of building this monster that you're about to create? And if you continually are hitting the milestones that you're setting, then you will make sure that investors are aware that you are hitting your milestones. You're not begging them for money. You're telling them what you're achieving. And you're asking mm -hmm. them if they have any advice to help you hit your milestones quicker. Ask for advice and you will get money. Beg mm -hmm. for money and you'll still be on the side of the street. So my advice to your startups is build a great company, focus on those four components I told you, make sure that everybody, including investors, are aware of what you're focusing on, set the milestones that you're transmitting to people and hit those milestones and the money will come to you. That's even more inspiring than your last answer. And the comparison between the startup founders and Vikings is just great. So. We're going to wrap it up here. Thanks, Brian, a lot for coming up for the podcast and for taking your time to participate. I know you're extremely busy, so I really appreciate your 
your presence here and that you share your knowledge and experience with us. My pleasure. Glad I could contribute. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. And have a great day. Stay safe. Thanks, buddy. You really thought it's the end of the episode? Nope, not yet. In these uncertain times when a weird virus is spinning out of control and investors are trying to figure out where to put their money and not to lose it all, I have an answer. Invest in human capital. I will be among the first 10 people to participate in something called human IPO. So shortly about how it works. You can buy futures on my time now when it costs just $100 per hour. And when I become Mark Zuckerberg 2.0 and my time is worth $1,000 per hour, you can sell it or redeem it, either making 10x return or bringing me to your firm as an advisor or speaker for a few hours. My offering is not live yet, so now you can only subscribe to my updates. But please do so and become the first one to buy my time when my offering goes live. To sum it up, in dark days, buy time, not toilet paper, and your money won't be flushed into the toilet. I'll leave a link to my profile on Human IPO in the description of this episode, and thanks again for listening to Fundraising Radio.